Welcome to Global River Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org forward slash resources. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Who's excited today? I just wake up excited. Amber, Amber's not a morning person. I'm a morning person. And so when I wake up, I, I'll just, hey, hey, what's going on, man? Guess what the Lord said? What's, what he, she's like, uh-uh, uh-uh. No, just don't even talk to me. But it's good. Um, want to welcome everybody here today. And um, for the next few moments we have, I, I want to just really get right into uh, a word of the Lord. I really felt um, as we were praying this week uh, what God was saying, what he's doing. But um, I, think it's, I think it's something that's really, really powerful what, what uh, folks are going through right now. But before I jump into that, we wanna, I want to update you real quick. Um, I had a phone call this morning for Pastor Tom. Pastor Tom in Virginia, many of you know that um, tragically he lost his son this week. It was a, it was a terrible loss for the family. And uh, they traveled up to uh, Lake Monticello in Virginia, and today they're having the burial. And uh, so they are burying Daniel today, and uh, our hearts really have to go out to them. And I want to encourage everybody to pray. And just keep them lifted up. You know, there's, there's just no way you can go through something like that. Uh, but he was very specific that he wanted me to tell you something. And he wanted to say thank you from the bottom of their hearts. They were so overwhelmed at the service the other night. They were so overwhelmed by your presence and the love and the, everything that's happened over the week. So they really, really were encouraged by that. So he did want me to pass that along. So I just want to just thank God for you guys, for the family um, that stepped up and have been praying, encouraging uh, Pastor Tom and his family. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. So let, I think that's a good prayer break right there. Jesus, we just thank you right now. And Lord, we just lift your name up, Jesus, Lord. Father, we just pray for Pastor Tom and Miss Jeannie right now. We pray for Katie, Laura, and all the family, Lord, Sarah. And uh, we just ask, Father, that you would cover them today. Father, that you would just release your grace and peace over them, Father. It says, Lord, that there is an anchor that holds, that there is a peace in the middle of the storm. And, Lord, we just release that peace. We just ask for your presence to fall on them at this very moment in Virginia. Father, we pray that you would dry eyes. God, that you would just move through that place with your presence. Lord, I pray for divine connections. We ask for restoration in the family. We ask for redemption in the family right now. Lord, that there would be reconciliation in any of the relationships that have been strengthened rest or damage. Father, we cover them in the blood in the name of Jesus. The Bible says true Christians bear with one another when they're burdens, that when one hurts, you all hurt because it is a family. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that we could always put differences aside and, and, and bond and encourage our brothers and sisters when they're hurting and when they're down. So, Lord, we, we bless them this day. And now, Lord, we I just ask, turn your face to this service. Turn your face to this church, to this city to this hour, Lord. We just ask for your presence to fill this place. I can't do anything. I don't have anything to give. It's all you, Father. And Lord, I pray that you would just release the word of the Lord. Let it run swiftly into this place, Lord. Let it liberate people's hearts and minds. Lord, let it bring freedom in the house. Freedom in our hearts, Jesus. Mark us, God. We invite the spirit of wisdom and revelation to fall. We invite the spirit of wisdom to flood our hearts. 
Give us knowledge and understanding, Lord. Give us knowledge and understanding, divine discernment, divine intelligence. Lord, as we hear your word this morning, and it's in your name we pray, Holy Spirit. We thank you, Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. All right, if you have your Bibles, turn with me real quick to uh, Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. As you're going there, um, what a wild week it's been. It's been uh, very, very busy, a lot of things going on. Um, of course, in Pastor Tom's absence, me and Pastor Willie met with him at the house uh, the other day, and he just asked if I could stand in for him during the time while he's gone. We don't know exactly how long he'll be gone, but he's definitely going to take some time off as he'll need to, to mend and heal. And uh, so he has asked me to stay in his place as well as Pastor Willie. So I ask for your prayers and support and encouragement as well. So in the, in the light of that, I, I was praying because, you know, when you get in those moments, you just got to pray. So I was praying in the prayer room at our house uh, a couple days this week. Um, but yesterday we had just a divine, I feel like, revelation from the Lord. And uh, the Lord spoke to me and he said, Michael, I want you to tell this congregation something specifically Sunday. I said, okay, Lord, what is it? And he said, I want you to preach on worry. On worry. He said, because many of my people right now are battling a spirit of worry. And they're being worried. And there's a difference between being concerned and being worried. And so I, I feel I want to just share a little bit about that, about what that is, how it operates in our life, but then how we can destroy that thing and live in a place without worry. Um, in Matthew chapter 6, uh, we know Jesus uh, gives the gospel, man, the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, in verse 25, I just want to read this passage. Jesus says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry. Do not worry about your life, about what you'll eat, what you'll drink, about your body, and what you'll wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds in the air. Do they not sow, do they not reap, or store away in barns? Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they are? Who of you here can add a single hour to his life by worrying? And why do you worry about clothes? Don't you see the lilies of the field, how they grow? They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, and he was a really wealthy, wise man, and all his splendor was dressed like one of these. Well, if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown in the fire, how much more will he clothe you? Oh, you of little faith, I tell you, don't worry, saying, what am I going to eat and drink and what shall we wear? For the pagans, the unbelievers, they run after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. And then, of course, here's the key verse. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Amen? You know, worry comes from a definition in the old English term. This is what it means in the old English term. It's actually pronounced wyrin, W-Y-A-R-N, wyrin. And it means literally to strangle, to choke, to bite, to harass, to tear at one's throat. 
The imagery is of a predator clamping down on its prey's throat, suffocating the air. If you've ever watched any of those National Geographic channels when the lion is getting the deer and, you know, it's just got that kind of imagery, worry. We won't think of worry. Sometimes we're a little worried, but it really is not good and there's a danger to it. From another perspective, worry is a spirit, I believe this, that is designed to attack the believer in several areas. First, its objective is to drain you spiritually. Worry comes upon us to drain us spiritually. It does this primarily through events and circumstances that we encounter in daily life. And taking that a step further, you know how it primarily comes through? People. I mean, can you really separate it? Almost every time when you're in a situation when you're worrying or you're worried, it's always connected back to a person, whether it's a family member or a friend or something that's going around. And those things will just drain you. Have you ever felt drained by somebody? Come on. I know there's been a few people. Just be honest. You just felt exhausted, and it's just like, Lord, what is going on? And But a lot of times, we can get in a form of worry. We, we let that. It's a subtle attack. It, it really is an attack, but it's very subtle because we don't think uh, we don't give, you know, it's not like a big, I'm committing sin, but it's something very minor that creeps in. But the whole point of it is it strategically aims to choke out your faith. And see, faith is like a relationship. It needs room to breathe, you know, and many things. It, uh, faith needs room to breathe. And it has, we have to exercise our faith. But what worry does is it tries to choke that, tries to strangle it out. And uh, it operates to destabilize your faith so you are worried about things that you can't control. I mean, there's a lot of times we think we can control a circumstance or a situation, but we really can't. We don't have control over it. But we engage in an unending battle of worry, and it leads to nothing. It leads you to getting upset, leads you to fretting, leads you to discouragement, argument, and there's no solution. Next thing you know, you're at the end of the day and you're stressed out. All because you're trying to control something you have no control over. Corey Ten Boom, the Holocaust survivor, wrote this. She said, worry doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrow, but it empties today of its strength. Here's the root to worry, I believe. We empower worry when we assume the responsibility that God never intended us to have. I'm going to say that again. We engage and we empower the spirit of worry in our life when we assume the responsibility or responsibilities that God never intended for us to have. Oftentimes, this is where many, many people make a mistake. Many people make a mistake here. They try to take matters in their own hands. But there's some things you just can't control, like people. Woo. To the married folks in the house, the first lesson I learned in marriage was that I cannot control Amber. I cannot control my spouse. Man, that was a revelation. That was like, wow. When I realized I can't control my significant other, it was freeing. 
we learn that in marriage, but yet sometimes we do the same thing with the relationships we're in, don't we? We, we, we try to control people that we're around in our friendships, maybe with good intentions, because we want them to change. Maybe we want our child to get free, or we see them making a wrong decision, going down the wrong path, don't go that way, come this way, and we try to exert control. But, but we can't in some areas. We just can't. We have to let it go, and we have to trust the Lord. We can't control everything. I think of Abraham and Sarah. Genesis, I want to read this verse. Genesis 16.1. There's a story about Abraham and Sarah. How many know Abraham? Right? Abraham, he was an old man. He was like 99 when he had his first child. But before then, there was like 20 years that God had promised him he would have a child. Him and Sarah would actually have a child. And that child would be their inheritance. And everything that God promised Abraham hinged on the birth of this one child. But 20 years is a long time, is it not? Whew. I mean, imagine walking, you know, 20 years, God has promised you something, and you've not seen the fulfillment of it. Many of us, I know, it's, you start doubting, like, man, did I really hear God? Is that really, really going on? I think Abraham and Sarah kind of got to that place. And in chapter 16, verse 1, it says, look, it says, now Sarai, that was Sarah, Abram's wife had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go, sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps, and that perhaps will get you in trouble. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Mm. They took matters into their own hands. Now, God will bless it because he loves us. But let me tell you something. I believe they let the worry get to them. And when they felt pressured from the worry because God was not responding in what he promised to, they took matters in their own hands. And they had this whole thing set up, a surrogate, however you want to call that. And now Hagar is going to give birth to Abraham's child. Sarah says, perhaps I can build my life, my destiny, my identity, my calling. Perhaps I can build who I am through somebody else. That's what worry will do to you. It will lead you to a place where you'll begin to build your own life through somebody else's life. But you're not intended to replicate or copy anybody because you're unique and you're genuine and everyone has a unique identity in Jesus. Right? So she says, perhaps I can build a family through her. And we know what happens. He gives birth to a son. What's that son's name? Ishmael. We know the story. Ishmael's kind of a wild boy, and they have to send him away, right? There's a dispute. Sarah, Hagar, and Ishmael is gone. Hurts Abraham. But what happens after that? Isaac comes along, and finally, Sarah has a child naturally through Abraham, and God is true to his word. Even though they took matters in their hands, he still blessed them through it. What's the point? Here's the point. When you worry or you allow that worry to come in there and you move and respond out of that place, you're going to birth problems. But if you wait on the Lord, if you wait on the Lord and not move by worry, you'll birth the promise. And the promises will come through the faith that you have in Jesus. All right? 
Paul, Paul says it in Galatians, takes the same dynamic and says there's two ways basically you can live. You can live according to Hagar, according to the slave woman, or you can live according to the promise to Sarah, to Isaac. On one hand is that orphan mentality where we take matters in our own hands, but on the other hand is we live as sons and daughters, and we're not moved by the circumstances, and we walk in the place of faith where God provides everything that we need. Amen? So I want to encourage this. Listen, don't empower the spirit of worry. And don't try to assume responsibilities that you have no control over. It will drain you and it will take you out of God's will for your life. So what do you do with that worry? What do you do with that worry? I think that thing only has to be destroyed. You have to destroy a spirit of worry. I want to talk two things real quick on how to destroy that, that worry. If, if, if we empower the spirit of worry... Because we assume responsibilities of things we cannot control. How can we defeat it? It's really simple. You take control or you take authority over what you can control. I'm going to say that again. You take authority, you take responsibility over what you can control. And what can you control? Right here. Your thinking and your thoughts. Worry starts right here, and right here is where it must be destroyed. You have to defeat it right here. Go with me real quick, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Shoo, Jesus. Wow. Thank you, Lord. Mm. I know nobody in here has ever worried about anything. Romans 12, 1 and 2. It will, it will drive you crazy. When I, listen, when I was on drugs, my goodness. When I was addicted to crack cocaine, you talking about worrying about not having money or how you're going to get your next hit, it would just, I mean, it, I, I lived in a perpetual state of worry and anxiety and stress and fear. But let me tell you something, man. When the Lord comes in and he breaks that thing, it's so good. But I had to do one thing. I had to take responsibility of what I can control and not what I can control. And I'm just, I want to hit that because I feel like a lot of people in here right now, prophetically, right now, I know it. The Lord told me you're struggling with this. You're battling with what you control and what you can't control. Or what am I worrying about and what I don't need to worry about and what I need to be just concerned about. So here we go. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I love this passage. It says, Now I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of word worship. Look at Paul. He's saying, listen, come on, guys. Let's just gather around. Come on. And I think you need to do this. No. He's saying, I urge you. There's an urgency he says, I urge you, I'm contending for you to come in view of God's mercy. How many of you here last week, we, we talked about the mercy seat, how he sits us in heavenly realms through his mercy to see his perspective. He says, I urge you in that revelation, in the view of mercy, to come and offer your bodies a living sacrifice. Let me, we're talking about the tabernacle right now. In the tabernacle, you didn't take a dead animal to the altar. It had to be alive. 
That had to be alive. What Paul is saying is, listen, this sacrifice of who we are has to be alive. There has to be that willingness of who you are and every desire, everything that makes you who you are has to go on the altar. There has to be a willingness to lay down your life to the Lord. This is holy and pleasing, acceptable. It's worship to the Lord. So he's inviting them to that place, but this is what I love. He says, so do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. So in that place, don't be conformed to the patterns of this world. The Greek word for conform literally means to conform oneself to another form. Or to assume a certain form. I'm going to say that again. Being conformed means to take on oneself to another form. You adapt to something else. Something around you. Maybe you mimic somebody you like. Maybe you like your favorite preacher and you want to be just like him. Maybe you have a worship artist and you, you want to mimic them. Maybe you have somebody in your life, you just want to be just like them, and you begin to adapt them because you don't know who you are yet. So you gravitate and looking for other things to fulfill your identity because you're always adapting and changing your appearance to accommodate what you think people think of you. I'm sorry, I'm just getting excited. You know, this is what Paul's talking about. And he's saying, so you can't be conformed to what other people think of you. You can't be conformed to what other things are going around, even the environment, the, 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 the atmosphere. You can't be conformed to that thinking. This is patterns of the world. You can't conform to that. And see, that's what it does. What if the environment is pregnant with the spirit of worry? If we're not careful, we'll adapt to that worry, and then we'll take on that spirit. We'll take on that demeanor, and now we're in a worried state, and we can't do anything. We're bound. We're hindered. Woo! But when you do the next part, what it says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then that thing switches, and what happens is, instead of you allowing the environment to conform who you are, the environment conforms to who Christ Jesus is inside of you. And you renew. Your mind is renewed. You're, you're, you're thinking like Jesus is thinking because you remember what he said about you. You're not just a servant. You're a friend. You're a friend of the living God, but you're not just a friend. You're a child, a son and a daughter. You're not just a son and a daughter. You're more than a conqueror. You're not just a conqueror. You're a warrior, not a warrior. And when we believe in faith of what he says who we are, then the whole environment can do nothing to, to change us. We don't conform to that way of thinking. But it is our thinking. We're taking control of what we have control over, and everything else is changing from that place. Are you tracking with me right now? Don't be conformed. Resist it. Resist that conformity. Resist that old structure. We can't be old in our thinking. Do you know what I mean by that? What times the enemy, he'll get us to drift back to try to solve current problems through past experiences or, or how we did it in the past. But you can't take the past to try to solve today's problems. You have to get a revelation from the Lord. My God. When they were in the tabernacle, listen to me now. When they were in the tabernacle, they were on the outside. We talked about this Wednesday. There was the brazen altar, and over here was the lavar, labor, washing thing. 
And when they would give the sacrifice to the altar, they'd come over here and they'd have to wash their hands in the labar. And remember, that's the outer court. And we talked about, listen, a lot of Christians, a lot of believers only live in the outer court. But in order to go inside the tent, you have to go through the altar of forgiveness and the cleansing of the word through who we are. And a lot of people can't go because they want to bypass that and go into the tent. But you can't bypass the word and you can't bypass forgiveness. You've got to go through it or you can't get into the holy place. Now, people who stay right there are people who live in carnal thinking. These are the folks like Lot who tried to figure out how to follow God and how to fulfill the plan of God on their life through their own thinking. And through what they think God is telling them or leading them to do. That's humanistic thinking. Mixed with a little bit of Christianity. That's not what God is saying. This is what Paul is saying. He said, I don't want you just to stay in the outer court. You got to get in the tent. You got to get in the tabernacle. Because let me tell you what's inside. There's a menorah. A seven burning lamp stand of God. The seven spirits of the living God burning in there. What does that mean? You have to live. We have to live from the place where we get revelation by the Holy Spirit in everything we do. And so when we live in that place where we're living that the revelation of the Holy Spirit is leading our direction, leading our decisions, leading our circumstances, then we can't be moved. We won't be conformed. You resist the conforming to the structures around you. And you are a child of God, firmly planted. Jesus, renew your minds this morning. Don't let those things tear you down. Don't let them bring you down. There is something inside of you. you. You have no idea how powerful it is. God wants us to live from the place of transformation, y'all. I believe it. He wants us to live from the place of transformation. So seize control of your own thoughts today, and that environment will turn around. We, we saw this happen, I believe, with everything in me, Friday night. Friday night, we were at Danny's funeral. And, man, it was tough. It was tough to be in that kind of environment and all what was happening there. And those of us who were with there, when we started the service and the family walked in, you could feel the grief and the sorrow from Mama Jenny and the whole family. But somewhere along that meeting, who was there? Could you feel a shot of the Holy Spirit come into the environment? Could you feel it in there? And all of a sudden, the presence of God filled it, and there was no tears. And they had the power to stand up and declare and share from their hearts, the family did. I thought to myself, how could you do that? I would be falling down, falling over. That is the testament of the supernatural power of God. That is the testament of what happens when you take control here. It changes out here. Ooh, Jesus. Mm. Thank you, Father. To God be the glory. So, number one, how do you destroy the spirit of worry? You take responsibility of what you can control. And that's right here first. Second thing, and the last thing, do not be moved. That's how you defeat worry. You can't be shaken. And you can't be moved. 
In this passage with Matthew chapter 6, you know, Jesus, he, he reveals something here. If you're like me, I've read this passage so many times, the one that we started with, and, and don't, do not worry. But, you know, in that passage, Jesus rattles four things. He says, don't worry about what? The body, the clothes, and don't worry about what you're going to eat and what you're going to drink. But if you boil that down, let me tell you what you have. You really have two things. Because eating and drinking speaks of one thing, and the wearing of the clothes in the body speaks of another. What he, I believe he's showing me through this was that worry comes through two specific attacks. One is provision, what you're going to eat and drink, and the other is what people think of you or how you perceive of what other people think of you. What are you going to wear? <laughs> what are you, you going to look like? What's your appearance? How, how, if the truth be known. How many actions have happened tragically because of that? Because people allow what they think people are thinking of them to control and dictate their life. As so many, I see that happens. I struggle with that for a long time as well. But that's all the fruit of worry. So Jesus, I think, is attacking this thing. Now, how does he attack these two things? Provision and how people perceive you. Go with me, the one verse up, 24. Look what Jesus says. He says, listen, guys, no one can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one or love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. Here it is. You cannot serve God and money. You cannot serve God and money. Money also, this Greek word is also, it's implicated that this reveals a demonic spirit known as mammon. A mammon. Has anybody ever heard of mammon in the Bible? Mammon, a principality which basically boils down to greed, one of the seven deadly sins. Now, of course, Jesus is not saying money is evil, right? The Bible says the love of money is what makes people corrupt. But if money takes the place of Jesus in your life, you better believe it becomes evil. Because you're allowing it to take the place of Jesus in your life. This is what he's saying. So he's getting to the heart of the matter. Listen, you can't serve one or the other. Somebody has to be first in your life. Somebody has to be first place. And here's the deal. When you serve God first, money will serve you. You like that? But if you serve money first, then you'll be slave to it all the days of your life. It'll be a slave to you all the days of your life. Mammon, greed, greed and mammon, all of that is connected. And a lot of that takes out people in the body of Christ because you so, we get so worried about what we're going to eat, drink, and all these things, they, they come in there. You worry about social media, you know, the cars and houses, and there's so many things that crowd our attention, our relationships, but it's just a false reality. The true reality is that when we seek the king first and all these things, his righteousness, everything is added to us. Amen. It comes down to a partnership. Who are we going to partner with? Who are we going to agree with to serve? Same way with people. If you allow people what they think to control you, then you'll always be conforming yourself to someone else's view of you. But you will always battle with the constant presence of worry if you go down that road. But if you actually believe faith in God, right, faith in who God says you are, then the people's opinions will not affect you. And you'll go to a place where you dethrone that spirit of worry. Thank you. 
Mm. Yeah. So if you allow what people think to control who you are, then you'll always find yourself conforming to someone else's view of you. Are you got, do you see what I'm saying? It, it really does happen that way. Again, you've heard me say this before, but when I was straight up in drugs, I had a nickname. My nickname was Guido. That was who people, their opinion of me was. And I believed and fed into that reputation. And I let that reputation control and dictate my life. But when he met his funeral and Michael was reborn again, come on. But in the, in the same way today with the Lord, I mean, it's just the same way. Even in the church, we go through these things that even, even mature saints, mature people in God still struggle with this. I know it. You still struggle with people liking you. I mean, look, look, at, face, look at Facebook. We always look, right, who's liked our posts? Oh, man, I got two likes today. Man, what's, what is going on? I only got two likes on that post. Maybe I said the wrong thing. Maybe something, maybe, oh, no, man, maybe I'm going to cause a war, right? And you start building up this thing in your mentality. Oh, man, man, I, I put my heart out there, and nobody's liking it. Nobody likes me. <laughs> Nobody likes me. And it's, it sounds so comical, but it's so real. We're so real. We give into that. But I want to tell you that uh, be aware of worry and don't let it come in your life, man. You could, you could do without it. All right. I want to kind of begin to close this. Worry is objective. Again, pointing back to faith is to remove your faith. Now, that, I want, real quick, I'm just going to talk about the spirit of mammon. That spirit of mammon, that, that greed, I believe worry is an expression of greed itself. I, I think that's such a principality. And greed isn't just about monetary things. Greed is about other anything, material things, cars, relationships. And the whole point of it is it speaks a lie to you, to us. And it says if you can just collect or if you can just get that thing, it's going to answer. It's going to fulfill what you're longing for. But the reality is that never works. And so people that often struggle with that or greed or mammon, yeah. they have a hard time doing this other thing. Yeah. And guess what that other thing is? Yeah. Giving. The way to break the spirit of mammon is to give it away. Yeah. <sighs> give it away. Jesus said, I'm going to give this gospel away. I'm going to give it away freely. That's how you break that spirit of greed. If it operates or if you battle that thing, it's not really ours. That's what Jesus is saying. I own everything. It's mine. Give it away. I know that's so counteractive. But that's what the kingdom says and that's what it does. Worry tries to get you to focus on something else too. It tries to get you to focus on what you don't have, what you lack. Worry distracts you to focus your attention on everything that you do not have in your life right now. Right now, you may have a need to pay your water bill. Or you may have an accessible need to pay your rent or your mortgage. Or you may be up to here in credit card debt. You may have a challenge need right now with one of your children or relationships and and it's so hard to focus on God because it's so overwhelming right and all of a sudden the enemy that worry is trying to get you to focus 
on what you don't have. And when you do that, my friends, you empower one more thing, and that's called doubt. When you empower doubt, then you begin to doubt God's provision. You begin to doubt his goodness. You begin to doubt everything that you know about God because you're giving that thing a place. Real quick. When, when, the disciples, when the disciples were in uh, uh, Jerusalem and the surrounding areas, when Jesus was resurrected, do you remember when Jesus resurrected, how many days did he appear before he went into heaven, the ascension? Forty days. If you study the gospel narrative, everyone, and you boil it down to what Jesus was trying to do in his disciples for the 40 days, you will find one common factor. You know what it was? He was trying to eradicate doubt and unbelief from them. He's trying to free them from that. So this is a powerful thing. So how, how listen, to if you focus on what you don't have or you can't see what God is saying to you. In other words, here's a word. Don't allow what you don't have to move what you do have. Don't allow what you don't have to move what you have. And what do you have? Every man and woman in this place has a measure of faith. You have a measure of faith. Jesus said if it's just this small, you can move a mountain into the sea. You have faith. Faith, that's what you have. But we have to exercise that. We have to give that an opportunity. Listen, every, listen to me. Every, tomorrow, when you go out, tomorrow, Monday morning, and wherever you're going in work, school, home, whatever it is, you're going to have two opportunities. You're going to have two opportunities. The first opportunity is to be anxious. There will be something to cause you to worry. Trust me. There will be something there that will let you try to fret or be anxious. But the other opportunity you will have is to exercise your faith. The question is, which one are you going to use? I like to use this chair for an example. See, faith is just like this chair. So tomorrow, Monday morning hits us. When we go through the door, we can set our chair down with anxiety and with worry and sit and let all of that garbage come over us. Or we can make another decision and say, I'm going to set my chair over here with faith. And I'm going to believe in God. I'm going to be trusted in God. I'm seated in heavenly places, in heavenly realms. I'm not letting the enemy come against me. I'm not allowing the circumstances to define who I am because I have faith in God. I have faith in who I am. I stand on the word of the Lord. I stand on my calling. I'm not moved by a position. I'm walking with the Father. I'm moved here. I, I live here in this place of faith. You have to put substance to your faith, guys. You have to put substance to it. You have to activate it. You have to really walk this thing out. If not, worry will tear you up and down, left and right. But he said, I'm not going to leave you. He said, I'm going to show you the way. Faith. Faith is how we dethrone that spirit. And it's how we're not moved. Right now, I said, I'm a big man. It'd be hard to move me right now just because I'm sitting in this chair. Right? But faith is like that. We can't be moved. We can't be moved. Things I can't be moved. I'm not leaving this seat because I can't be moved. I can't. My kids are going in drugs, and I, I can't be moved. I can't. My marriage is falling apart. I'm not going to be moved. Things are not working out my way. I'm not going to be moved. I don't have money in the bank. I'm not going to be moved. I'm being laid off right now. I'm not going to be moved. My job is coming against me. I'm not going to be moved. So I just want to encourage every one of us that you do 
have a measure of faith. But the choice and the question is, how will you use it? And will you use it? Will you use it? Will you use it? Thank you, Jesus. So I felt that from the Lord yesterday, this morning. I, I really felt like the Lord was saying, there's a lot of people battling this worry. But he said, listen, it's okay. This is how you defeat it. And you walk through it. Amen? I want you to stand with me. Ask the worship team to come back up. And as they do, thank you, Lord. I just want to spend a few moments and just, just respond in prayer. Um, that last part of the passage, Matthew 6, 33. He says, seek first his kingdom in all his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. One morning, I was having a difficult time. And I was really... I was worried. I was worried about something. I wasn't concerned. I was worried. And I knew that I had to get that thing off of me. And so I came up to the church really early one morning, 4.30 a.m., and I went in my office, and I just lay down and just began to cry out to the Lord. And as I just began to pray and just lay it down, he brought Matthew 6.33 to me. And I read it, and this one word just jumped off the page. And it was seeking, seeking, seek first. And then when I saw that word seeking, you know, when you, you spell that word, it's S-E-E-K-I-N-G. You see the king. And he said, that's the art, is seeing the king in everything. Not just the good, but the bad, the storms, the, the hard times. Seeing the king in the middle of the storm. It cancels all worry and doubt. I would encourage us this morning. Let's, let's close our eyes, bow our heads. Let's just tap into the Lord. Press into him. And let's just take a moment to see the king. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We thank you, Holy Spirit. We thank you, Holy Spirit. We welcome you and we thank you right now. Holy Spirit, show us what you're doing and what you want to do, Lord. Show us what you want to do, Holy Spirit. Open our eyes right now, this very moment. The battles and the struggles. Open our eyes to see beyond it. Open our eyes to see you inside of it, Lord. Thank you, Father. I just see this vision right now of uh, somebody is holding. It's like a doll in their hand. It's a doll. And uh, it very means, it's very precious. It's very valuable to you. 
and you've held it for so long. You've held it so close for so long, not been able to give it up. But I just saw the Lord coming, and he gently opened your hand, and you were able to give it to him. You were able to give it to him. And it gave you so much comfort, it seemed so innocent. But the Lord said, it's, it's not yours to hold. And it's not yours to carry. He said, you can give it to me. You can trust me. So right now, I just feel like to have some ministry time from the Lord. If you're battling worry, I feel the Lord wants you to release that thing today. So I want to invite you up to the altar. Just if you're struggling with letting go of anything right now, it doesn't have to be this big sin or anything. If you're, if you're battling and just holding on to anything, anything, I want to invite you to come forward right now. And just let's just begin to sprawl on out here. And just have a moment where we give it to the Lord. Where we give it to the Lord. Some of you have, I just see it prophetically, some of you have children right now that you have not given to the Lord. Some of you have a daughter right now that is struggling. Someone in here has a daughter that has been really battling. And you have fault with giving her to the Lord. I, I just feel like right now is that moment. There is grace for you here. I feel like some have been struggling with pornography here right now. It's okay. I've battled with it for many years. The Lord is not scared of it, but he's here to take it away. Come on and give it to him. There's someone here right now that's really been battling with cigarettes and nicotine addiction. It's really controlled you. And you've wanted to give it up. Just come on down right now. And just give it to the Lord. Yeah, thank you, Holy Spirit, come. Revelation, come, Holy Spirit. Someone right here, right now, struggling with a job. You're struggling with this particular job. You don't know what to do. You don't know whether to stay or go. And you feel like you don't have an answer. And it has you confused. The Lord says, come down right here. Just give it to the Lord. Just give it to the Lord. And he's going to show you what to do. So, Lord, we just want to thank you right now. We want to thank you, Jesus. I want to ask if the ministry team, if ministry team, can you guys, let's just go around and just begin to gather around those who are here. And let's just begin to pray. Let's just begin to intercede and pray. If you're still out there in the, in the congregation, just want to encourage you to pray with us. Stretch out your arms. Lord, I just pray right now that you would just begin to break off the spirit of worry in this house. That you would remove any anxiety or anxiousness. Thoughts of controlling, thoughts of it's out of my, whatever it is. Lord, we ask for you to release it right now in the name of Jesus. We pray that you would flush it out, that you would release it out of this place. That nothing would remain but your faith and your love and your presence, Jesus, God. We thank you right now, Lord. We thank you, Holy Spirit, Lord. We thank you, Father. Yeah. And so the Lord just said, just, just cry out to the Lord. Just, just lift your voice up to the Lord. And just say, Lord, I just worship you. I just worship you. 
There's just something happens when we use our own mouth and we use our own words. Lord, we worship you. Jesus, we worship you. We give it to you, Father. We give it to you, Jesus. We love you, Father. We give it to you, Jesus. We give it to you, Jesus. We worship you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Father.